Hello everyone, coming to you from Phoenix, Arizona. You are listening to Work Life 360. This podcast is all about helping one another navigate through the noise and the clutter that's holding us back from our potential to be a healthier, successful community. Our mental, physical, spiritual, and social habits are certainly work life related. We'll explore how creating an awareness of our thoughts and behaviors can empower and inspire us to accomplish almost anything we direct our attention to. Let's dive deep into the dirt and examine what research, resources, and real-life success stories from everyday folks can teach us as we grow through the day-to-day challenges. Let's get started. Welcome back to Work Life 360, everyone. I am here today with the beautiful Charlie Safro, and I would love for you to give us a quick insight as to what your world's like right now since we last talked. <laughs> How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing well. As a you know recruiter in the supply chain and logistics industry, we definitely have an interesting point of view. And I will tell you that even though everyone is talking about recession and layoffs, we are not quite seeing that, knock on wood. We remain very busy, mm. uh, still a candidate's market, more jobs than there are people. So it's a good problem to have. I'm not complaining. Just need more candidates that are qualified and interested, and we'll be able to make more matches that way. It looks like your team does a lot of research concerning the needs in our industry and does their due diligence to really find that perfect candidate for jobs. I was on your website and I didn't realize you're even in like the medical field, automotive and wine industry. I didn't realize that you tapped into those markets as well, a little bit of the healthcare. Yeah. Any role that has any sort of supply chain influence is in our wheelhouse. So we're pretty industry agnostic when it comes to the parent Mm -hmm. company, the product, the service, really focusing more on that position. And if it has influence with supply chain, logistics, transportation, activity, decision-making, those are the roles in our wheelhouse. So yeah, it keeps our team on their toes that they can explore different industries and all the logistical nuances in each industry and really learn as they're meeting new candidates and evaluating them. So I'm curious, when you started back in 2011, what that looked like and how you've transformed your company into getting into all these different niches and and providing such an array of services that I don't think a lot of people know about. I mean, I've been in this industry for five years now, and had I not met you through Trey, Mm -hmm. I would not have known that you were even out there. So can you just kind of share how you've grown and championed women in particular Mm -hmm. uh, within your company? Yeah, I mean, when I started the business, I'm in Chicago. So I had come from a transportation technology provider I had, you know, enough knowledge about the industry to be dangerous. I had a Rolodex of contacts that I had recruited as a corporate recruiter. But with the, you know, Mecca being in Chicago when it relates to brokerage, that is where the majority of my early clients came from. I was on LinkedIn. They saw that I had recruiting experience in logistics. So I had, you know, a 3PL, a brokerage, started to reach out looking for talent, a lot of sales talent in the early days. And that was pretty much my focus. And what's really amazing about this industry, but also recruiting and networking in this industry, is that the skill set is very interchangeable. So 
the way we were able to really expand, now we work well beyond 3PL and brokerage. We're doing a lot in you know, the asset space, transportation, warehousing. Um, we do a lot in freight forwarding, a lot with shippers, manufacturers and distributors, technology companies, equipment companies, um, and so on. And so what we started to find was that a lot of the candidates that maybe we engaged for a brokerage job moved along in their career. And many of them are tied to logistics, passionate about logistics, but wanting to explore a different angle of the industry. So it's very common to see, you know, a load planner at a shipper move into brokerage and likewise a carrier rep at a brokerage, maybe move into pricing or analytics or dispatch. And that is where we've been able to really be pretty cross-functional. So um, one relationship leads to another, leads to another. Many times, you know, we have a positive influence on a candidate. Maybe we don't even place them in a position, but two years later, they make that career move. They're now a hiring manager and they reach out to us, which is really how our business has grown very organically into different sectors of the industry. I'm curious. So you have repeat contacts coming to you looking for next opportunities, it sounds like. What are some of the trends that you see or some of the data maybe you've collected from people that are looking to transition to something next? I would say not only in terms of skill set and maybe a desire to um, learn and explore new opportunities, but also their mindset and maybe even related to a position that they were doing that maybe wasn't the right fit and how that felt to them. And then how do you use the knowledge that you learn from them to help them find whatever's next for them? It's a great question. Unfortunately, there's a lot of burnout in this industry, and I know you know that firsthand. So many times we will talk to candidates that perhaps they started at a brokerage right out of college, and they've been really just hustling for three years. And when we start talking to them, they may say, I want out of this industry. And in that case, we really don't have the opportunities for them. But what we try to do is just ground them. Do you want out of the industry or do you just want out of your company or the position you're in? Because at the end of the day, there are so many people that are passionate, you know, total supply chain, transportation junkies, and they don't realize they have a huge advantage because they know the industry, they understand how freight moves, the different parties involved. But if you're at a brokerage, it doesn't mean you have to stay at that brokerage or even in a brokerage for the rest of your career. And, you know, on the contrary, if you're on a shipper, you know, on the shipper side, there's still opportunities to go and kind of sit on the other side of the desk. So we try and really understand what brings these candidates joy, um, you know, what what things fill their cup with their position. Do they like the networking? Do they like the, you know, true logistics operations, getting their hands dirty? And then we can introduce them to other opportunities to just open their minds. We, we have, you know, maybe some jobs for you that are the same job you're performing in a different environment or maybe a slightly different service offering. But when you really think about what drives you, what challenges you, what motivates you, plus your skill set, there's so much more that everyone can do with their career. So we try and kind of get down to the um, the reality of it. And then many times we can send, you know, three, four different jobs to a single candidate. Maybe not all of them are interesting. Maybe they're not quite qualified, but at least it opens up 
this path that they now understand they can head down. Yeah, so I didn't want to actually use the word burnout, <laughs> put it out on the table. I will say I definitely have heard that, particularly in the last two years, a lot of anxiety from folks in the freight space, mm -hmm. particularly brokers. And um, some of the conversations that I have with them is kind of trying to identify why are they feeling this anxiety, like contributing to that. Maybe it is something with the company that they're working at. Maybe it has nothing to do with the company that they're working yeah. at. And then just trying to kind of what you do and what I admire is you really create a psychologically safe space for your team to have conversations about what they're feeling, yes. you know, and and show them kindness and compassion and have those intimate conversations that were kind of taboo not too long ago. Mm -hmm. I'm fortunate where I'm in a position as a wellness director, I get to hear the real realities and then kind of help them see where the anxiety is coming from. And sometimes it's self-created too, and they're not even aware of it. So I think the way that you bond with candidates and really explore all avenues of their being as a person and what's going to bring them joy and fulfill them while they're meeting the needs, not only for an employer, but for their financial obligations with their family, I think is really, really important. When you and I had talked before, we had referenced the fact that most candidates stay in a position for like two years and then they move on and we're seeing this trend is very different from the way I was brought up. I mean, even though myself, I've moved a few times, like I'm more of that, like to settle in, right. stay where I am, see what opportunities are here, because I find that I really connect with the people that I work with. And when I'm connected with the people that I work, I'm working with, and I feel a sense of joy and camaraderie, I'm not really thinking about what's next, unless I'm not paying attention to my health and well-being. So if you could just talk about your team, especially what you do to transform their life in a way where they're feeling they're meeting all their needs and feeling supported in the workplace, especially since you work remotely, yes. you know, and how do you keep that bond, that team bond together? It all goes together. Everything you just brought up is so interconnected and the freight industry is busy. I mean, we, we know that freight moves 24 hours a day. If you don't, you know, attend to the client's needs, they'll go find someone else to move their freight. And so there is, you know, I, I would say an opportunity for burnout because of the pace of the industry and the, you know, 24 hour mm -hmm. on call, but it doesn't have to be like that. And I think the mm -hmm. companies that lead with their hearts, companies that treat their teams like humans, can really help separate. It's not an industry thing. It's probably a company thing. And like you mm -hmm. said before, it could have nothing to do with their job or their company. If they are burning out, it could be personal issues that they're, you know, they, they've got going on behind the scenes. And then work is, is what they blame it on because they don't have enough time for that balance. So there's so many different things. The, the easiest way to explain it is if, if we could get more managers and leaders to just ground themselves at the employee's level, to understand them as a person, to save one, two minutes in every meeting to ask questions like, how are you? And what can I do to support you? That one question can change the whole relationship. If I'm here burnt out, 
I probably put a lot of that stress on myself. Nobody's expecting, you know, that email has to go out today by five. That's my expectation. And if somebody offered me support or at least just said, I understand you've got a lot going on, you know, take the afternoon off or feel free to, to not send that email till tomorrow. Or how can I help you? Can I do it for you and take that off your plate? That's when employees realize that they're, they're being supported, they're being heard. And then as that cycle continues, that psychological safety, they have confidence to speak up and to say, I don't understand this, or this is, you know, taking up too much time. I need a more efficient way, or I need help. And a lot of companies don't promote that. And it is taboo. And then these, these employees are just, they're burning themselves out naturally. So um, one of the things we do, and we're, we're in an experiment phase is, we're doing a flexible Fridays for the 12 weeks of summer. And the way we positioned it is it's not quite a four day work week, but it's that idea of we do not have any meetings on Fridays anymore. There are no deadlines on Fridays. Any deadline would be Thursday or Monday, but you use your judgment as Friday comes around to determine what you need to do that day. And it's a flexible Friday because you can work half day and, you know, get, get caught up. You may have, you know, in our world, two more phone calls to have before you hit your goal for the week and you may be done at 9 a.m. You may not need to work at all on Friday. And that's where we're empowering our team to say, we need you to do your job. We know that the goals are feasible, but do it on your time. And if you can finish on Thursday, more power to you. We want you to reset on Friday. And it's just encouraging things like that. If our entire team worked every Friday, would we be more profitable? Maybe, but I really, as, as we're watching it, it, our team is still able to do their job in the four days if they choose. Um, so it's having that flexibility, which proves that we trust them, which empowers them. And if they know that there's a light at the end of the tunnel, that's really you know how you can avoid burnout. Like I'm going to go, go, go because I know I get to rest tomorrow. What prompted you to try this new initiative? Maybe selfish first. I mean, I'm super intrigued by the idea of a four-day work week. And the more I, you know, listen to podcasts about it or do my research, you kind of realize why, why do we have a five-day work week to be? Mm -hmm. That's industrial age. It was, you know, set in stone yeah. and we all just complied. So this is kind of an experiment, but in addition to watching our performance and really getting continuous feedback from our team members, it comes down to trust. And there's no better way mm -hmm. to tell someone you trust them than by showing it with your actions. Being able to work from home says, I trust you. Being able to check out on Fridays without you know, approval or taking a PTO day says, I trust you. And there's a lot of unspoken dialogue because we're allowing our team to to make these decisions and it goes back to we hire the right people that we trust from the beginning and then we continue to reinforce we trust them and when they feel trusted they're happier and when they're happier they work harder and it's just this cycle that will continue i love everything about that um yes going back to industrial times like the work week i've heard it explained in ways that are simulated with our job becomes a way of enslaving us. I've heard it equated to like being a slave of time, mm -hmm. which I get that. And 
We want to be free. It's being free in how we spend our time. But I think that obviously today there are certain hours dependent upon the job where you need to be at a certain place for a certain period of time. That's just the reality. But I think when you have the conversations with people so they know the expectations of the job, they can make the decision, will this work for me in my life right now where I am so that I don't feel enslaved or my power is taken away from me. It's understanding too, like you're a mother of three and you run a company. That's a lot. (laughs) That that requires a lot of time, a lot of energy. So at times, as you mentioned, not really selfish, but you're being aware of these other responsibilities in your life. And then also being mindful of the fact that you have employees that are in that same space. So just it's just a more humanistic way to work. Exactly. That I think we miss out on sometimes in a corporate world because we've been taught for so many years, you know, here, here's the hours, here's the expectations. And I think when you give people more flexibility to work to meet the demands of the job, they're going to be more present on the job. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, the, the, I don't want to say it's the irony because this is a piece of all of it, but it's ironic that this is the industry I'm in is recruiting. And, at the end of the day, all of these tactics or perks or privileges are recruiting and retention strategies. And there is Mm -hmm. no business without people. And if you can't retain the people you have, you're never going to be able to recruit new people. So I'm very big on promoting retain the people you have first, even if it's you have one employee when you start, take care of that person, Mm -hmm. set the standard that will eventually transform into the culture. And that is what brings it all together is, you know, being able to say, we, tr- we hired you because we trust you. When we hire someone, we don't lead with you're going to get Fridays off in the summer. But if we're really chasing a candidate to hire for our firm, that's certainly something that they're going to be interested in. So first, it's for our team to, you know, reward them, to emphasize our trust in them, to give them that authority to, to balance their week and manage their schedule. And then it also becomes a very good recruiting tactic. So I think that the more companies that think of it as, ah, they don't need another day or, you know, I'm the boss, so I'm working on Fridays. Why should I give everyone else the choice? Mm -hmm. But it's about so much more than that. And I will be very honest. We have been communicating with our team every other week or so since we started this. And Some of it is live dialogue and all team meetings. Some of them are surveys. But in the beginning, we got some feedback that it felt a little ambiguous. And the team was like, some of the people on the team, are are we being set up? You're telling us we can check out early Friday, but then are we going to, are you going to look back at our metrics and, you know, I'm going to get dinged for not hitting my goals or for not working when you Mm -hmm. told me I was okay to take the day off. And just someone raising that concern gave us the opportunity to say, oh, no, that is not what we're doing at all. Like truly we are empowering you to manage your week. And as an adult and a working professional, you know how you need to perform on Friday. There's no test. There's no, you know, secret formula that we're just wanting to see who works. Everyone deserves that reset. And it's just about, you know, front loading your week so you can relax once you get to that Friday. Again, you've created a psychologically safe space where they can even bring that thought that they're having to light so that you can 
have an honest discussion, you know, and that in turn just, again, builds a bond that I think is really super powerful. How often, uh, Charlie, do you survey your team and what are some big findings that you found over your time? As a leader. We do quarterly anonymous employee surveys through an employee engagement system that we use. It is a very data heavy survey and it's really an amazing tool. We have an account manager um, at the survey company who will meet with our leadership team once all the results are in, you know, slice and dice the data a million ways, completely anonymous. But what we learn with each survey is you know, where we're thriving and where there's opportunity to improve. So a good example of this is maybe like Q1 or Q2 last year, what we saw was through these survey results, a good chunk of our team felt disconnected to their purpose. And the purpose in recruiting is so obvious. We're helping people get jobs. We're helping companies. It's such a gratifying career, but they were going through the motions and they would get hung up on the rejected offers or the candidates that ghosted them and not focus on the little wins that sometimes count and sometimes don't. And so we as a leadership team took that and we were like, okay, this is so easy because it, it's, it's so clear what our purpose is. But if they don't know it, then we have more work to do as a leadership team. And as a result of that, we brought our values to the forefront and we reminded people probably a bit of overkill, but just constantly reminding people why they're here. We did that through Slack channels, having you know a high five channel, having a shout out channel. When we get a good testimonial, we share it with the entire team. Um, we do, you know, different rewards for people who live our values. So it was really just about, we all know what our values are, but we need to bring them into the forefront. One of our values is do what's right. Every time we have a difficult business decision, we go back and we're like, what is right here? And we talk to our team about that. So I think by just pausing and recognizing, like, I thought everyone knew their purpose, but apparently they don't. And so now this is a leadership initiative to, we, I would say we did it very slowly with lots of little nudges. And then when we did our most recent survey, everyone feels connected to their purpose. And so I, you know, I give my leadership team a lot of credit for taking this very vague idea, putting tactics in action to make people feel more connected. So it's those types of things. And then we do a lot of very informal surveys. So um, we did a survey last week. We just wanted to know how people use their flexible Fridays and we wanted to gauge their temperature. So it was anonymous, but it wasn't the same, you know, level of, of depth that was, you know, how have you used your last couple Fridays? Are you satisfied? How can we improve our communication around the policy? Um, and then, you know, little surveys about where do you want our company party to be, the city or the suburb? So we, we do communicate with them a lot, um, formally and informally. I like the idea that you survey things that matter. With the survey, someone indicating they weren't sure of their purpose, we tend to forget about the little wins, the meaningful wins. We, as you mentioned, sometimes we get caught in the day-to-day -day nuances you know, go through the motions. I mean, we're human. You know, sometimes we just don't have the energy. Maybe we didn't exercise or eat healthy or didn't sleep well and, and have too much on our plate. But sometimes our brain can kind of go that way. But I like the way you, you take that information and then you double down on 
creating an environment where they feel connected with what they're doing, either as an individual contributor or as a manager or whatever their role is. And if you could speak to how, as a company, as you grew, you allowed your team to create positions within and even come up with job descriptions. I thought that was awesome. <laughs> Thank you. It's It's been, it's probably what weighs on me most as a leader, and it all goes back to recruiting and retention. When you recruit a hire, they want to know that they're not going to hit their ceiling in a year. They want longevity if they're performing, if they you know feel that connection and want to stay at the company. But for many years, we were just too small. We were flat. Everyone was hands-on. Everyone performed you know, essentially the same function to drive revenue. And I'd say right around when we hit, we've got 43 employees right now. When we hit probably 25 employees, we realized now is the time that we need to scale and create more of a hierarchy. And I realized that actually took a lot of pressure off me, that if I can create layers of managers and layers of leaders that live our values, that recognize and acknowledge people the way I try to recognize and acknowledge my direct reports, then it just becomes this waterfall effect. And everyone in the company feels heard and feels connected because their supervisor is trained to listen to them, is trained to connect with them, has that desire to really get to know who they are behind their title. And I think that's a big part of us being in a position where Finally, it wasn't all about every single employee has to be a revenue generator. It was more, we need support. We need leadership, we need analytics, we need marketing. Um, So right now we're actually on our fourth employee that we have done that exact thing for. They came, they fell into, everyone started in a recruiter position. They learned the trade, they learned the industry, they learned the hustle. And those are the ones that came and approached our leadership team and said, feel like we're missing something here. If we had a chance and, a, you know, a team that analyzed this data, it would make the recruiter's job easier if we knew the market trends or we could leverage some of that data in our search. And that was one of our first internal transitions where now she's a full-time marketing data analyst. And we, it's, it's amazing because when we first started talking about it, we were like, but what, what are you going to do? Is there enough work? Do we really need that? She's probably one of the most the busiest people in our company because it's opportunity. So like, it's like you created this opportunity, you made this bed, but now it's like, oh, if we could look at that and we can look at this and she's added tremendous value to our team, not by placing someone and bringing in revenue, but that indirect revenue that, that comes from team support and resources. You pointed out something I think that is often missed in the corporate world. Some positions, they're seen as more dispensable and not really valued, unfortunately. I can only imagine how much time this person spends doing her due diligence to research, put all this information together to present to leadership so that you can make informed decisions that will trickle out throughout the entire company. Um, You know, it's unfortunate with with COVID and and some companies scaling back, I've seen a lot of manager or support roles cut. And I think that only creates, unfortunately, opportunities for more burnout, stress, and anxiety because people don't have that go-to person that was there before. And now that person's position is dissolved. And it's like, now, who do you go to now for support um, when, you know, things are continuing to change? Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a, 
fear aspect in that too. And you, you know, you know, I, I can think back to the different leaders I've worked under over my career and some of them led with fear. And if you don't do this, it's going to happen. And when your manager gets laid off, you're next. So you just are constantly stressed and have that anxiety versus leading with motivation and coaching and support. And not to say that I'm eliminating stress. We, we all are stressed. We put too much on our own plates between work and life, but we're doing what we can as a company to alleviate it and to really help our employees manage it. And, and I think that is, again, something so simple, like just lead with your heart instead of fear and you will actually see better results. For you personally, how do you find your me time and what does that look like so that you can show up as your best self for your team? Like what are some key things that you make sure that you prioritize in your day? My, my me time every single day, guaranteed me time is first thing in the morning. And one day I will get sick of it, but I'm still, I'm still okay getting up early. My alarm goes off at five, five thirty because that is the time that I have to myself. Most days I'll go to a yoga class. I'll take a walk with my dog. My kids are still sleeping. I'm back before breakfast. But I know that if I really want that me time, I have to cut into the early part of my day and get up. And it pays off. The days that I don't do it, I feel it. And I think about it. When am I going to take that walk? Why didn't I just get up when my alarm went off? And then one other thing I do on my calendar every day, and I am transparent with it, it's not private, I encourage my team to do it, is I have a 20-minute increment on my day where I turn off my laptop or close my laptop. I try to meditate during those 20 minutes unless something else, sometimes I might have to go pick a kid up or um, you know, run an errands. But every single day you will see a little yellow 20 minutes of Charlie time and don't schedule a meeting over it unless I tell you you can, and then I'll move it. But I don't think a day goes by that I don't at least acknowledge it and give myself that permission to go get the mail and take a walk around the block or to sit down and meditate. And it's really amazing when you check out how much better you can check back in. When you take that 20 minutes that you don't think you have time for, you're actually way more productive when you return. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of literature and research out there to show that those little mini breaks throughout the day really do facilitate our body's ability to recharge when we step away, we put the computers away, and we move our bodies actually, get the blood going. And when we come back, we're just in a more energized space to think creatively. We're less apt to be irritable or our vision is expanded more so than when we're sedentary and sit in front of a computer all day. I can say for me, like you, I'm very in tune with my body. That morning me time is super important. Um, it really does make a difference, whatever it is that you do. I've never gone to a yoga class or taken a walk and regretted it. It's sometimes hard to get there and motivate and justify that you are allowed and have permission to do that. But once you finish it, like, I, I feel like every, you know, every time I'm like, I wouldn't, I don't regret it. That's for sure. Finding something that's enjoyable that you feel like you can decompress 
or just tap out, whether it's something with the arts or music or playing a musical instrument, reading, just going outside and sitting in nature or, or calling your friends, something that's not work-related really can do wonders to reset how we show up for everyone. And I think that in today's world, since COVID, I think more leaders are more aware of this. I think they're providing more space for employees to start to think about their health and well-being because as you and I both know, when you physically take care of your body, your brain just functions at so much of a higher level and it opens up your creativity, your ability to problem solve, your ability to communicate effectively and still show up with compassion and kindness in a way where you're not feeling threatened. When you're physically well, your brain and the way you're thinking just responds in a more helpful, inclusive way. Absolutely. I had a a meeting yesterday with someone and they slacked me right before and said, do you mind if I take a walk for the first half of our meeting? And I was like, you never have to ask me that. Like, if you can be focused and lead me through the agenda and have whatever you need in front of you, I don't care where you are when we're conducting our meeting as long as we can hear each other and be productive. So it's little things like that, that, you know, it's just, it's, it's just bringing, normalizing those conversations because otherwise people are scared, they don't ask, and then they end up doing a disservice to themselves in the organization because they burn themselves out by not taking that break. And it's really important for leadership to bring that to the forefront. Like this is what we allow. Maybe this is what is not encouraged, but just telling people, like you don't ever have to ask me that again. And I hope she goes and tells a couple people that she had this meeting and that they get the idea. Like, I never thought of doing that. I'm going to do that for my meeting tomorrow. But what do I care? If, if you're productive in this conversation, get some fresh air. Just makes me jealous. And I was like, I should have done that too. <laughs> well, you're practicing what you preach, leading by example. So sometimes, particularly with young workers, when they're feeling um, a little anxious in a new position and there's so many things to consider, they wouldn't even think to ask you a question like, do you mind if I walk? Because of that fear factor. So our former CFO here, he would come into the gym and have walking meetings on the treadmill. So when someone in a leadership position leads by example, it just sets the tone. It relaxes people's shoulders, their minds, and it just allows them to be more authentic and to communicate in a way where they feel comfortable expressing whatever it is that they're thinking. You can have a conversation. Okay, you know, maybe we can do that. Oh, maybe not this time, but next time. So I like that. Yeah. And it's kind of the same idea of like, you know, when you tell someone you'll sleep on it, like, let me think about that. I'll get back to you tomorrow. It's a very similar mental break where you're not reacting, you're very deliberate with your response. And that a lot of times that is kind of what comes up for me in that 20 minute break I take is very subconsciously, even if I'm meditating, the solution or potential solution to something I've been struggling with comes when I take a break. I could sit here and stare at my computer screen and bang my head and how am I gonna figure this out? And then all of a sudden you take that mental break and it's like, that's all I needed is just to step away. Yeah, it's like some of the best thoughts come in the shower. So for folks in our industry that notice that maybe their employees need to take care of their health a little bit more, what would be the one or two things that you would suggest 
they start to think about and then include in a culture. Leading by example is for sure the biggest one. When when individuals see their supervisor, their manager, their leader really walking the walk, then they feel that they have that permission to do it. Um, I think also whatever you can do to show trust. Maybe it is a hybrid environment. Maybe it is flexible Fridays. Maybe, you know, it's it's being able to work remotely or work out of a different site sometimes. But when we can show that we trust, there's a lot of tactics to get there. That is probably the most valuable thing that's not not recognized a lot and not talked about. Because you you don't realize how you don't realize you have the trust when you have it. You realize when you don't have it how constricted you feel. So whatever you can do to show your employees and tell them, but also to just really show them and prove it to them that you trust them. I mean, another thing we do is we know no emails after six p.m. because I trust that whatever was urgent got covered before six p.m. And if you choose to work after six p.m. I trust in your judgment. It can wait till the next day. Um, so just little things like that, that reinforce that, you know, we hired you and trained you and now we trust you until you give us a reason not to. <laughs> I like that. Well, thank you so much for your time again. And I just want to say when I see your posts come on LinkedIn with your feet up in the car and you're doing work or sharing pictures with your boys and, and sharing really important stories, I think people in management positions or even future managers really are inspired by your content, Charlie. So I just want to thank you. I immediately smile when I see your name pop up on LinkedIn, going through your website. It's just you feel that you're authentic and you really do come from a place where you put the human first and then success happens thereafter. So thank you. Thank you. I truly appreciate that. So as we wrap up, I usually share an action item for folks. So something for them to do over the course of the next week. What's something you would like to share that might help folks with whatever going on in their profession? I would share something so simple that I talk about a lot when I refer to like mindful leadership. And we all can do it and we can all do it anytime. And it's just taking a deep breath. And it may sound, I'm not telling everyone to get in a circle and sing Kumbaya and hold hands. It's just take a breath. And we don't realize the power of our own breath sometimes. Um, I have a son who's a, a baseball pitcher. And when he's up on the mound and I see him stressed, I'll just yell, like, take a breath. And he said to me, he's like, I, it, it really makes a big difference. And it's like everyone has four seconds to take a breath, refocus. Take a breath before you respond. Take a breath before you react. Take a breath before you let your emotions take over. And yes, multiple breaths in a 20-minute break are going to be better. But if you can't get there, just being mindful and deliberate at any level, in any relationship, peer-to-peer, personal, professional, it goes a long way. I like that. I concur. I thought you would. Well, thanks for joining in, everybody. And Charlie, again, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks, Rhonda. You too. 
That wraps up this episode of Work Life 360. Make sure you check out all the other episodes and the show notes for links to any articles, resources, or for more information about guest reference on the episode. I appreciate your time and I ask you to send any feedback to worklife360podcast at gmail.com. Special thanks to Freight 360 for your continued support.